With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, all right. So we're going to be doing a round table coming up in a few minutes. Westbrook's with me here. The guest of honor is Dr. Pro Football Doc, Dr. David Chow. Uh, we get into everything from how tough Philip Rivers was back yeah. in the day uh, to the Mount Rushmore of bad medical staffs to my theory about what really happened with the Patriots spying on the Bengals. And let's just say we channeled Sun Tzu's Art of War. And you think it's actually not bad. I think it's a really good take. I also think it's a really good thought. Uh, Listen to it later and you'll see. Um, But before I get into some news and notes, that fucking Eagles game on Monday night. (sighs) It was amazing. When Eli Manning was up 17-3. to Yes. And threw a touchdown at the end of Darius Slayton mm-hmm. because Jim Schwartz ran an all-out blitz yep. and left man-to-man on our corners that cannot play man-to-man. Yep. I was preparing to vomit on myself. Really? I thought that was a good decision. I kind of felt like our de- defensive secondary probably should have done a better job. My issue, though, is the only chance that Eli has to beat you is throwing it deep. He can't. He's not accurate. But I did do this. At halftime, I looked over my friend at 17 to 3, and I bet, live bet, Eagles money line to win outright, mm-hmm. and I got plus 425. Yeah, great bet. So I cashed in. Great bet. The ending of that game, Eli Manning is now a losing quarterback mm-hmm. at 116 and 117. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Carson drove down multiple times, and on that last drive to send it into overtime, hit Greg Ward Jr. Yep. on a little flare that I thought was going to get picked, and I don't know how it got into his hands. Boston Scott looked like the second coming of Brian Westbrook. Looked amazing. Dicing up people. Looked amazing. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside caught the catch of the year for him, overhead tracking mm-hmm. it and finding it on the sidelines. And then we get it done with Ertz across the middle yeah. with no Lane Johnson. Nope. No Alshon. No, Alshon. We had one wide receiver. Yep. We had a guy named Josh Perkins that I guess was on the practice squad. All Came year. out of nowhere. Yeah. Was that the game to give the Eagles life from the from the grave? We are. They now have a tied record with the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Did you leave that game going? It took everything to survive the Giants, or this was what they needed to to kind of bounce back. I was more. It took an awful lot to beat a two and ten football team. It took an awful lot. And there were times in this game, first quarter, first half, I'm like, well, 
This is the end. Dallas Cowboy game won't even matter at all. And if Eli was able to get off that flea flicker on third and 17, because Golden Tate was wide, wide open, open, wide open, it would have all been it's a whole different game. So, I mean, in my mind, I'm saying it took an awful lot to beat a two and 10 team. However, sometimes a win is a win. And now we can kind of pull things together a little bit to make a run for the playoffs. When I watch a game like that, I also go, why haven't I seen Boston Scott playing more? Good question. And I think Doug Peterson was asked that question in, in the press conference the day after the game. He said, no, we knew he was able to do it. We just had other guys in front of him. We're like, really? You got somebody better than this guy, the I most explosive player in your to offense Boston tonight? Scott than Jordan Matthews. I'd rather you play Boston Scott than Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi is averaging like three yards a carry. Jay Ajayi is done. I mean, he's just done. Physically, this is why I keep wanting to bury this team. Because they give me so much joy, but I also know that if they lose to the Cowboys by 30 at home mm-hmm. on the first night of Hanukkah. Did you know that the Eagles are playing the Cowboys on the first night of Hanukkah? I, I did not December know December 22nd? I not, now I know. And I'm going to have that misery boiled down into eight glorious nights? Yeah, sorry about that. What do you, th- what do you think about the game, though? that game in particular? So they'll beat the Redskins, we know that. So I watched the game at my friend Jake's house. This is where I watched the Cowboys game. Mm-hmm. But he got a new TV. Ooh. And so we were like, I need to get rid bigger of that. Bigger and better TV or just a bigger and better? Okay, good. good. Honestly, it's good very job. big. Good job. But we watched it and it, it changed the record. So now I'm one and one. So you're going there again. You're going back to know. the well. I don't know. What do you mean? You don't know. Do you want a team to win or not? Oh, my dad even like invited me to the game. No. I'm not going. Don't. D- What's wrong with your dad? Why, why are your dad trying to jinx us? Because he wants to watch football with me? Yeah. Why is he talking to you? He's, he's trying just, to be why, why is he trying, trying to, to jinx us? Bill Belichick and spend time with me. <laughs> yeah. Me and my dad watch film together. We don't. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. Well, we got to find a Look, way. Look, we, we have to beat the Washington first. Well, I, I think Washington presents some, some, some difficulties that, I don't know, that we're, Scary Terry scares me. And it should scare Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills. Because that's the one thing that he does well, run past people. Oh. And that's what happened in the first game of the season. I hate run past I, you. I hate that I care about this team. Yeah. All right, some news and notes first. A lot of you guys are asking, Adam, where is the episode on YouTube? I'm telling you right now, there are things well above my pay grade. Apparently, people like the Left Go Show podcast with Brian Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And certain companies want it. And it's not going to be on YouTube anymore. What? And it's sad. Uh, but at the same point, it's exciting because there are some things in all the future episodes, hopefully the one you're listening to now going forward, they were all going to be on Facebook. Uh, Facebook's very excited. We're very excited. And also there's a chance it could lead to us getting more help behind the scenes, which if you know what I've had to do over the years, this is a great thing. So we're excited about it. I am very sad that we're going to lose the YouTube community, mm-hmm. but I'm excited that we're picking up the Facebook community. I don't really know any other details, so I can't talk about it, but that's why Monday's episode wasn't on YouTube. I'm excited. New home. It's I like a new home. It's like buying a new house. You got to go it to is. your new house and you and look all around. All my and parents and their friends and my grandparents are there waiting. For yeah, me. they're waiting for you. Facebook. Yeah. Love it. Um, and then one other thing. We are in the championship week of the LFGL, mm-hmm. the Lefko Fantasy Gridiron League. Nice. Where over 1,200 people signed up, mm-hmm. we had 92 leagues of 12 or more, uh, 12 teams. Yep. Uh, I did not make the championship. You didn't make it. No, I got knocked out early. With on. all this advice that you give, with all these things yep. that you're so good at, Tyler Lockett decided to have four catches in a four week span. Uh, and I made some trades earlier that kind of bit me in the. Morris ball. Sharp couldn't help you there. No, he couldn't. Okay, but we have 92 league champions right now. Impressive. 
And what we're having in this week 15, because we say week 16 is for weirdos, Mm -hmm. all of them are going to face off against each other in a winner-take-all. Whoever gets the most points wins the LFGL and then gets to come on the podcast. Ooh, I like that idea. They're going to call in. We're going to Skype. We're going to figure it out. And uh-huh. they get to say whatever they want. They got to come and sit in studio. I'm not paying for that. I don't but, think that's in the budget. Facebook. <laughs> Where's Facebook at when we need them? Yeah. Hey, hey. Right. good idea. But the guy that's been running the league the entire time, our commissioner, William E. Zell, a.k.a. on Instagram, <laughs> at WGE2, a.k.a. Saints Kid, a.k.a. Broken Wrist Kid, has a message for all the leagues, for all the champions asking what's going to happen. Here is the commissioner, William Ezel, with the information. Week 14, the championship weekend is over, and we are left with the 92 best homies. For you 92 conference champions, I'm going to need your lineup for this week. Please send me a message on my Instagram, at WGE2, or through the Sleeper app, what your lineup's going to be this week. Unless you're a Thursday night player, I'm going to need to know your lineups by Sunday at 1 so I can centralize all the scores and determine a winner. For our conference championship weekend, we had six games decided by less than one point. Our third closest game, Leber Kajnik beat out Vamperp 114.94 to 114.82, a margin of just three passing yards. Our second closest matchup was between Gabe Wilkes 1, E.L. Jag. That score was 88.4 to 88.3, a difference of .1 point. And our closest matchup between David Andreas and Big Fist FC was decided by one passing yard, 105.96 to 105.92. Absolutely heartbreaking for you six that lost between one point. And you'll know next week, if if you were to win, you could have won it all. But you'll never know because you heartbreakingly lost last week. Good luck to all of you, 93. And please send me your lineups this week. Awesome. That's if you could have won last week, you could have won it all. But, yeah, you, but, but you'll you never did. know. <laughs> Point lost by three passing years. Okay, so here's what's interesting. The Jets play the Ravens on Thursday night. Okay. So I would imagine there's a lot of people out there in their fantasy lineups. Of course. Mark Andrews, mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. Absolutely. <laughs> Mark Ingram, all of those guys. If you are a champion of your region in the final 92, get your rosters to William Ezell at WGE2 on Instagram. Or in the Sleeper app, it is very easy to communicate with people. He has the same username there. He was in my league. I beat him multiple times. Ah, uh, there you go. Humble brag. That was an added dig. Love that. But I want to give a special shout out for Ezel for doing this constantly. Uh, I'm going to put this on Instagram too. But get your roster in because if you want to play Lamar and then he doesn't play well, but then you still send it in on Sunday, we'll see. Not going to work. And don't make make up any lineups, dicks. But you're not going to know anyway. You got to get it in before gotta one get o'clock. Got to get the. And I'll tell you what, Ezel went through every single league to find the closest matchups. He will make sure that you are not cheating. Thank you again to Ezel. Uh, and now it is time. Let's cue up that music one more time. Let's do it and do our little roundtable with Doctor David Chow. Hey, 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 
Hey. How you living? How you doing? How you feeling? We are back with a roundtable Wednesday. I already got all the news and notes out of the way, uh, but I got Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. Thank you. And Dr. David, I want to include the middle initial, J. Chow, pro football doc on Twitter, in town with the family, stopped by the studio. Beautiful Welcome family. Welcome very much. Thank How you. How are you? Thanks for having me. He does have a beautiful family. Beautiful, beautiful family. Your kids are almost the same age as mine. Really? Yeah. So you have twins. I have six, two, and nine months. You have seven, seven, and seven, two. Seven, seven, and two. So nice. Similar. Yeah. We I, have something I, in common. I, now, I think we unfortunately have something in common. We do. I'm listening to Brian talk. Doesn't sound like he's getting sick. I never get sick. I think, uh, almost I think, never get sick. I think sick. I have gotten you sick. I, I'm 100% and I sure. I apologize that. in advance. About six days from now, you're going to text me and you're going to go. If you me. have gotten me sick, then we're going to have a problem. And did, that's did, the reason did, I brought did, you did here. You, did you catch the flu bug from the Patriots? Did they oh, give it to you? no. No, they gave us a bad seven point loss. The reason they, I have Doctor here today is I've had a cough recently and I need a Z pack. So can you like write me a prescription? House calls. House calls. Okay, nice. And I have a bad knee. So, I mean, I got a bad ankle, a bad knee. and Yeah, so. Thanks, yeah. man. Thanks for coming in. That's why you're here. Hope you brought your table and your medicine. <laughs> um, first of all, I feel like this this has been a fun year of people surrounding the NFL in, in our weird ecosystem of social media, NFL, internet people, where I feel like a lot of people have done their own ventures. You did ProFootballDoc.com. I know you've done a lot of stuff within the past, but I feel like you really launched it this year. Uh, Warren Sharp that I have on yes. Sharp Football Analysis we talk about all the time. It's been a fun year where I feel like these little ecosystems have been popping up. What has it been like with ProFootballDoc.com? Have you been enjoying it? It's been great. It's been quite the transition. You know, it kept, it kept growing every year. I mean, my wife who's in the green room is the one who turned to me one day five years ago and said, as I'm looking at the TV going, yeah, that guy's not coming back. The, the announcer's saying, well, maybe he'll be back next series. I'm like, no, he's not coming back. He yeah. tore his ACL. And she literally looked at me and said, tell it to someone who cares. She said it very kindly. <laughs> and she signed me up for Twitter. I mean, I don't do Facebook. I don't do Instagram. Yeah. I don't do anything. And then it's sort of grown. And it's grown so much that last off season, I really had a decision to make. It was doing more and more and more. So I either needed to turn it into something substantial or keep it as a pseudo hobby where I was just doing weekends and so forth. I still work my day job, but took on this effort, ProFootballDoc.com. And we were talking earlier about fantasy and the time it takes. One of the features that we just launched is you can go on the site and you can put in multiple fantasy teams. And on one page, it'll give you all the injury alerts and the takes. So who to sit like last minute so you don't go, well, shoot, I would have won, but I played James Conn. I didn't know he was out today. Yeah. You know, kind and this of is thing. the time of the year where a questionable will keep you up at night until eleven thirty on Sunday morning. Well, you know, and so if you can get updates, there's a use to it. I think also, really quick, to all the women, you are smarter than us, and even when you insult us, you are giving us great advice. Of course, and that was what that. <laughs> that said. was but a money making advice. I, I think the thing that that I think you added uh, a year or two ago to the space was the notion, the percentage of doubtful that actually plays in NFL games. Because for me, I would always go, well, they're not out. They're doubtful. But when you introduce the percentages to the NFL space, kind of being like these teams, when they say doubtful, 99% of the time they don't play, it made people look at it differently. And I think you've definitely 
kind of earned your spot in the space of being a trusted member for when any injury happens, which has been cool to see. Well, thank you. I, I try and do what I can, but you know, one thing I always make clear to people is I have no sources. I'm not like you guys talking to people and yeah. I, I'm just using my eyes and my brain and my 17 years of studying football, working in the league and looking at video on Monday. So after I would on Sunday see a guy on the field, on the sideline, in the locker room, Monday morning injury check. Then everyone in the building was looking at film, right, on right. Mondays. And so uh, the video guys were kind enough for the head athletic trainer and I. We'd go upstairs. They'd pull up all the injury film, and we'd look at it. And I don't know what we were trying to do. We already saw the player. But in a weird way, it's allowed me to reverse engineer what's going on. Uh, and that's really kind of You know of what you're secret. doing? You're doing the Patriots of injury. <laughs> that, that's what you are right now. Spying. You're, you're spying. You're, so what you're saying is that you look at the injury, you say, that looks like an ACL. Then you go back and you say, oh, he actually does have an ACL. So now it makes sense. That's what the Patriots are doing, yeah. by the way. We'll Thanks. get to that, Super we'll Bowl get to that in a second. 40. Oh. What, 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 what Super Bowl was that? You were an NFL back. team head doc for 17 years? Correct. And was it all with the Chargers? Yes. The San Diego Chargers. Wow. So every time I – like, I knew you immediately because I would always see you walk over and see an injury. And – Publicly, I have chastised the Chargers a lot in the last few years. One, they publicly, I know they're trying to get into analytics, but they're so far behind the ball on that. Um, the last two, three years, they've led the league in injuries, and I've always wondered if not being proficient in analytics also means that you're probably also not thinking forward in terms of medical. And I was kind of wondering if you can shed a light. I'm not asking you to talk badly about your former employer, but like, I continue to say that the Chargers are in the dark ages, and I just don't know if I'm wrong or not. Well, you know, I left the Chargers a, a couple of years ago, and analytics has really been the stream since. And one of the things that I wish I had done more, you know how it works, Ryan. You know, you stay in your lane. You know, mm -hmm. the, the DBs don't tell the D linemen what to do. That's right. And the defense doesn't tell what the offense to do, what to do. And, you know, very difficult. You got to have some seniority as a player to go to your head coach or someone and say, how about let's run this, right? Yep. I mean, you stay in your lane. So there were a lot of times where I would think maybe analytics in terms of injury. Look, I knew the 53 trees in my backyard really well, but I didn't, it wasn't my role to pay attention to the 1600 trees in the forest mm -hmm. or the 53 that we were visiting mm -hmm. in the next backyard, the next game. I think there's a role for it. You know, scouts, advanced scouts, look at all this stuff. But injury analytics, and I'm not talking bounty gate. He's got a bad left knee. Right. Dive at it. Right. I'm saying it's knee questionable. It's his right knee. And given that this is the wide receiver with a right knee MCL, yeah. half the route tree might go away yes. in terms of what it is. Yes. And that would help you, right? Absolutely. If you knew that, you'd be Absolutely. like, and, and you mentioned that the Patriots actually talked about it. And do your job part two after Super Bowl 51 when they came back from Atlanta. The Patriots actually talked about how they knew Julio Jones right. would only cut a certain direction so, that day. So wow. you're talking about scouting. Perfect That's example. Huge. Von Miller played on one side of the line on Sunday because he didn't have access to his other leg. And yes. Back scouting. And it's his left leg. <laughs> but, but I would yeah. also say this. The Eagles have come out recently and they do tracking on all of their players, and then they use that to compute wear and tear. Hey, we're running this guy too much. Was that going on in the Chargers in terms of usage and stuff like that? Or was it more like, we need to talk to Dr. Chow because we trust his opinion? 
it was going on very much so in a qualitative fashion with the head athletic trainer, but we didn't have all the metrics. But no one in the league really did at that point in time. Of course, of you got to understand, internationally, the soccer world was ahead of the game. And I do a bunch of stuff with rugby and USA rugby. And the USA rugby team would have these trackers on these guys. But the NFL, five years ago, wasn't doing that across the league. So, so it would be it's unfair. New it's new for everybody. Gotcha. But I think if you have all these advanced scouts, look, analytics is largely season-long tendencies, situational, fourth and one in this situation. But what about this week if your center isn't 100%? Do you really want to run that sneak? Or maybe it is a good time to attack that left defensive end because of his right ankle injury. And it's more than just questionable. Questionable is anywhere between 1% playing and 99% playing. And, And, you know, not to harp on the Patriots, but... You know, they That's often, why they list everybody as questionable. Hey, it's it's hide the bacon, yeah. right? I mean, there's you know, there's one player who's not going to play. You figure out which one. These legitimately have injuries. I'm not saying they're lying. Right. They legitimately have something. There's, yeah. You know, you know very well that when there's five guys that are qu- listed on the injury report, there's 20 that's going through the training room. That's right. Of course. So all the Patriots are doing is listing all 20 and say you figure it out. Yes. Good luck. It's not, it's not against the rules. It makes complete sense. All right. I have a few like theories that I've had, and you're a lot smarter than me. I believe that players get injured more on turf than on grass. Is that true? Uh, certain injuries, 100%. Okay. And the studies bear that out across the league, yet out of necessity. What are, the, what are those injuries? Uh, lower extremity injuries. ACL. ACL, foot and ankle injuries. Because yep. I'm, I'm going to be honest. The Eagles, when they went to the Superdome, everybody got hurt. The Niners went to the Superdome, everybody got hurt. The Saints on Sunday... They just lost Marcus Davenport and Sheldon Rankins Mm -hmm. for the season. These are huge men that have a lot of explosion, and they're playing on turf. Fletcher Cox got hurt at the Superdome. Same thing. I just—the best soccer players in the world have it in their contracts that they're not allowed to play on turf. And here we have guys with horsepower, 10x, and we're putting them on that— and I just, I don't know how it's allowed. And I, I don't know if I'm taking it ex- like too far, but I'm, I'm turning to you because you. That's a, that's a ownership question and how, how important are, are the product on the field, though? Because if it was important enough, and I'll give the quarterback as an example, if it was a court, important enough and it was affecting the quarterbacks consistently, then they would change the, the how that to, is handled. To, to be fair to the NFL. Please, because I know ownership. that a lot of my stuff right now is anecdotal. <laughs> to be fair. It's something that's not known, not unknown to the league. There is a shoe committee that the NFL has for years yeah. ahead of this health and safety era that studied which shoes would cause more injuries. It's no question the newer turf out there, sport grass or whatever you want to call it, okay. is better than the old AstroTurf. Of course. But it's still not as good as grass. In general, there's no question there's more injuries on turf. But it's not as big as you think. Okay. Like one, it's about one significant injury per team per season. So it's not zero, but it's also not 12. Right. And the other thing is, it's well known, for example, the opposite effect. When it's a rainy, sloppy game, you might get more hammies, but you're not getting your foot stuck. You're not tearing your Achilles. You're not, you know, uh, having a high ankle. You're not tearing your ACL, Mm -hmm. but you are getting hammies. So we know this. And you say the NFL, how much do they pay attention to the product on the field? They pay attention to the whole product. And as a player, you were a key ingredient in the product. But do you want fans watching games on dirt fields in in certain areas? Do you want 
fans in the cold or do you want them indoors? So those are all factors where they... Do you want Alvin Kamara running at 20 miles an hour or on turf? He could probably hit 22. Yeah. So there's a lot of considerations that go beyond injury. I get it. To be fair. Because for me, like there was the one play San Francisco Niners, uh, San Francisco 49ers and the Saints this past weekend where the wide receiver missed the ball and his foot as he was coming down hit really stiff and he popped and I don't know what happened, but it didn't look good. There was another play last year where Leonard Fournette put his foot in the ground in Jacksonville and the grass just shot up in the air. Yeah. And he ended up being okay. Yes. And my first thought was if that was in a dome, everything could be destroyed. I mean, and if, so there is the give and take. And, and if you think about it, it's shoe surface interface. Think about this. Now, nowadays, most people snowboard and, you know, the, the older guys like me are the skiers. But that's why you have a ski binding. When you're a beginner, the ski binding is set loose so your foot can step out. When you're advanced, you want your skis to stay on so you crank them tight and you cut. But the tighter you crank them, the more your foot sticks in the Mm. ski, the more likely you are to tear your ACL. Mm -hmm. So the longer your cleats or the better your footing, the more you go. But here's the thing. You can prevent – NFL guys can take care of themselves – I'm playing on turf. I'm going to wear different shoes that have a little less grip. But you don't want that. That's how you, you make want the grip. Especially you want the, the position grip. you play. Right. Yeah. For you, you needed the you grip. You have to have it, yeah. But when the grip, so there are times when the ski staying on helps you get through those double black diamond moguls. Right. And there are times that it hurts you. And that's the and, give and, and take and, of what and, happens. And a there. level of athlete like you is never going to think about getting injured. You're going to think no. about making the cut. Well, yeah, you, you, you say my job is to make the cut. So being injured. If you, that happens, if you think if you, about getting injured, no, you're going to get yeah, injured. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess the question that I would have, it really, when I'm thinking about it now, grass versus turf, is the concussion side of things. When you're coming down, you get hit. Of course, you know the physical contact between players, but also when you come down, I remember playing in the vet, and that was like it was like a, a, a piece of paper on top of this right here, and there was no cushion, there was no padding, it was terrible astral turf back in the day. And I just remember getting hit and then falling down on the ground and then banging my head on the turf at that point. Is there any correlation to some of those things? The NFL, to give them credit, is doing a good job with their tech enterprise, I'm not using the right words, where they're giving research grants. And one of the grants they awarded is like eggshell crates underneath not really eggshell yeah, crates, yeah. Mm-hmm. but underneath the... It's like the, that mattress I see, the purple. Right, with some gift. Cushion, now, yeah. Now, there's a trade-off there. If you really make it give a lot and slow down concussions, and you're never going to prevent them. Because remember, yes. Yes, why, were, why were helmets invented? That's right. To prevent concussions? No. No. Is it insurance reasons? No. This is actually true. First of all, getting deep here. I love it. Okay. The NC2A, why was it started? People today would say to give athletes a hard time and march mad. To get rich. Right. To get rich. Yeah. Not no, the NC2A was started as a safety organization in Roosevelt times, Teddy Roosevelt times, because players were dying playing football. Mm. And helmets were pre- invented, and they didn't have face masks, and, you know, they started leather, yeah. the whole deal, to prevent skull fractures. Really? And they do do that, to prevent epidural and subdural hematomas. And they do do that. They were never invented to prevent concussions, which is why they're never going to get rid of them. But if the turf is softer, getting back, it may save a concussion or two. But there's always an up and down, a yin and a yang. Now, if the turf is softer and thus stickier, do you now get more knee and ankle and foot injury? So 
it's a it's a balance. So and as that, much as hard as you try, yes. you, you can't just do it one way. And that's why I think, you know, in the concussion discussion, there is no way to get rid of them. It's impossible. But there is a way to improve. And then it's figuring out the checks and balances and where it, it, it fills the most. I, I get it. You're going to lessen them. It's You're going to lessen the concussions. And I think they have. Them. Yeah. They've done a lot of different things to lessen them. Obviously, the, 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 the helmet situation could help a little bit. Whether you can contact another player certainly tell, helps. Tell me if you think this would work. Ooh. I've said for a while, why can't you put real-time sensors into your helmet as a player? And... After a certain amount of force, not just, oh, you have this force, you were going to have to check you, but a certain amount of cumulative joules of energy in a certain period of time, like fatigue for a guy working out, he's going to pull a hamstring because he's run this much. You've taken this many blows, Mm -hmm. whether you deliver them or you got them. Now you have a mandatory sit-out. Well, there's a reason for that. In my mind, if the NFL would never want to do this because if they do that, then there's a possibility that some of the best players on the field and that have been playing with concussions, playing through them, won't be able to finish a game. Five, six, seven people with concussions in a football game. But That changes how mothers and fathers. What you do is you you find the middle ground, which is you pull them to the sideline and you go, we want you to know that you have reached the maximum amount of joules, 50, and if you'd like to continue playing, you have to sign this. No way. No way. Well, here's the way. That doesn't doesn't help anything. It wouldn't be something something in-game. It would be like across these four weeks – so what I would hope would happen is players would make a conscious effort to keep their head out of the way, but also take care of each other. No. Like, no, it won't well, work. Well, here's the reason why. Because I, I remember I had concussions. My first concussion, documented concussion, was in Washington on Monday night. My second one was four or five weeks later in San Diego <laughs> against the doggone Chargers. And so I, I did all the, the studies, and I did everything, and I read up on it a bunch and studied a bunch. And so I was talking to one of these younger players, and I was like, listen, you've had three concussions in the last three weeks consecutively. Um, you just need to stop playing. He was like, listen, I know you would feel that way because you're 31 years old. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm 23, and I got to get paid. I got to make my money. So if you ever leave it up to the player, they're never coming out. It, it, so so that, that solution will work, but it won't work. The, the problem is, is that – does the NFL really want to know? Because if they wanted to know it, how how close guys are to having concussions or if they have concussions, they can they can find that out. They have the technology to find that out. Well, you make a very good point, and players aren't going to want to come out. My hope was that players in general on both sides would try and mind their heads more. Right. But right now, the NFL has a brewing, they're playing Russian roulette because they have a system in place now, and I'm not saying it's a bad system. Imagine it comes down to third and three and in the playoff game it's Ravens versus Mm -hmm. the Patriots and Lamar Jackson tries to get the first down he gets hit and you have the spotter in the sky go beep yep because that does look like a hit yep they're under two minutes they're out of timeouts Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson doesn't play on fourth and one yep that's a brewing problem, whether it's Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, you name it. And it's usually not for one play. That check will take you three, four, five. You're out the series. And, uh, and what so, happens if he doesn't actually have a concussion? That's exactly that, right. That, that that's exactly play. right. That's exactly right. Oh, you yeah. are, this feels like, and, and because you made it at the Patriots, too, like it adds to the whole conspiracy. Thing. The spotter. That would be wild. 
the Patriot spotter. I, I almost feel like that the the game in itself, when it beeps down, they should literally go, look, we're just not, we're going to wait. No We're going to wait. Until, but you can't do that. Yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. Well, wow. I, I would love a situation in a where. Weird, in a weird way, are you kind of rooting for that to happen? Because it's like, I mean, nobody wants no. to see it. But also, I like when the chaos happens. Well, I like when well, the seven and nine team wins. Well, the well you know how my last are, name is spelled C H A O. So with the family here, we are chaos. Right there, right. you go. We have we have we the have, we have the cup. Chaoses, right? We still need to get to the cup. I want to talk about the Patriots. I have two more questions for you before we get to that. Number one, you were with the Chargers when Philip Rivers, I think, was drafted. Yes, and, and I was so, in the war room when he was drafted. And so Drew Brees was there. Yes. The 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 discussion with Drew Brees, the shoulder. The Miami Dolphins, they didn't sign him because they didn't clear him. Uh, the Chargers had already decided well in advance, we are going to move on with Phillip Rivers. They drafted him first overall and made a trade and all that. What was going on with the shoulder, and how do you look back on that and, and, and thinking about Nick Saban and the Dolphins not approving it, and how bad was his shoulder? Well, I will answer your question fully in general. Uh, Drew is my guy. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and how great is it also for you to see the success he's had after all? I, I love the success of Drew. I mean, I was, I, I know his wife, Brittany, well. Like, I love Drew, but I had never asked Drew for permission to talk about his shoulder. Mm. So, therefore, keeping HIPAA in mind, I will only talk about what has been already known publicly. Sure. So no, nothing related to the specifics totally of a shoulder. Things just, like just details. Just, just the laws and <laughs> the things that govern our I land. Talk on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, and I mean, our medical system. I mean, you know, you gotta understand. Drew was on our team, and the San Diego Chargers at the time weren't doing very well, which is why we drafted so high. Yeah. Which is why we were in the mix to get Eli Manning, and we did select him with the yes. number one pick and then uh, <laughs> that day. And then we were at number four, and I remember our war room. Now, I was lucky enough with the head athletic trainer to be in the war room, but there was a big boardroom table with about 12 people at it. The head coach, the GM, the assistant GM, the owner, important people. The coordinators weren't even in the room. Yeah. James Collins, head athletic trainer, and I were always in the room in the corner, at what at Thanksgiving we would call the kids' table. Mm. <laughs> they were at That's the right. big boy table. Yeah, yeah. We had a little round table on the side here. And the the draft board, the magnets, they don't come tell us what was going on. But I can tell you there was a big cheer in the room of the people at the table the second the Giants drafted Phillip Rivers. Because the trade was on the table. Sorry, the Giants didn't the Giants didn't want Phillip. And so once, and they knew we did, so once they drafted him, the the GM knew the trade was done Mm -hmm. and that we're going to get what we want. So we drafted him, and believe it or not, this is back in the day when contracts weren't settled, like on a scale. Right. And there was a holdout. Yeah. There's a lot of holdouts with the Chargers. And quite quite honestly, without the holdout, Rivers might have started and Breeze might not have gotten his chance. Wow. Because of the holdout— we started Breeze. There was no competition in mm-hmm. training camp. And Rivers didn't play for like his first two years. Well, I'll right? tell you why he didn't play. Because he didn't play to start his rookie year. Because of the holdout. Because of the holdout. Because he was behind in learning the offense, as smart as he is. Yeah. And so Drew got the start. And we actually were rocky the first couple of games. And everyone in the paper is already calling for Drew to, to, to sit. And then we went on a run, finished 12-4, and four, yep. won our first AFC West in my time there. In, in a long time, 
Uh, and uh, so next year, can you go back to the rookie now? No, you no. go back to Drew. Yeah. And we were okay, about 500, missed the playoffs. In the and that, last game of the year. The GM of the Broncos, he, he feels bad about it, but the GM of the Broncos jumped on Drew as part of a fumble. Oh, wow. And uh, dislocated his shoulder, his throwing shoulder. Wow. Then that last game. And so, and Drew was at the end of his contract anyways, uh, and uh, that's when he hurt his shoulder and, uh, and uh, you know, off a You mean fumble. GM of the 49ers? 49ers. 49ers. Yeah, John Lynch. Yeah, 49ers. Yeah. GM of the 49ers. Yeah. yeah. John Lynch, San Diego guy, love him. Right. I yeah. mean, and he, I know this for a fact. I've talked about it with him. He's apologized. And there was no harm. It was, it was football. He was trying to jump on a fumble. Yeah. I mean. But that was back then where you can actually tackle quarterbacks. Yeah. The long time but, ago. But Rivers, Breeze, I don't want you to violate HIPAA, but like, and I don't want you to compare. <laughs> but how tough are both of those guys? Both of those guys, I feel yes, like, are do. two of the tougher. I mean, if you want us, pick one over the <laughs> other. But I'm not going to pressure you to. But just like. If you could speak to each of their individual toughnesses, well, because the, I feel like they the, don't miss games. They they don't miss games, and Philip Rivers has this streak of two hundred plus something mm-hmm. or other. And you have to understand, one of those games was with the torn ACL. Now, a that's known, yes. and b Philip has given me permission to talk about it. And so, I'm not saying Philip is tougher than Drew. I'm saying that Philip has and had has had more of an opportunity right. to show how tough he is, and He's done it. And Drew has had opportunities too, but not necessarily the same one. So who's tougher? I mean, who yeah. knows? Bottom line is I can tell you as many injuries as you have heard about in the public that Philip has had. There have been more that you have not heard about. Now, he's the one who demanded in that AFC championship game after Billy Bull came in and, and Philip tore his ACL in the last game at the RCA Dome. A full tear. Yes. Wow. A full tear. Wow. The last game of the it's RCA Dome. Now, now, here's the context. The last game in the RCA Dome, uh, you know, Peyton Manning was the opposing quarterback. Everyone in that stadium that wasn't from San Diego thought they were going to win. Mm-hmm. Rivers put us in a situation to win. We walk off together to go to the locker room, and uh, he's saying, I'm coming back in this game. I'm like, well, let's go see. But I didn't think he was. But that was the game, historical context, that he jawed with some fans. And fan, and he kind of got a bad rap. And actually, John Lynch asked me about this. And I'll come around to this yeah. long Sorry about the long story. No, but please. We walk off, and fans are F-bombing and yeah, da-da-da-da. And he looks at them, you know how Philip is, very emotionally. Very animated. It looks like he's swearing back. But, but all, he doesn't all, swear. All he's saying, well, maybe once I okay. talked to him about it. Yeah. One time, yeah. what, it, wasn't, uh, it was the word shit. Okay, I don't think yeah. that's swearing. Right. He yeah. still denies it. But yeah. that's not even, does that even qualify as a four-letter word? No. Nah. Okay. But anyways, he, he's walking off, and all he said is, don't you worry, I'll be back. That's all he said. And he said it three or four times. Don't you worry, I'll be back. We won't lock him. Obviously, he couldn't come back. And. When we won that game, that was the quietest I've ever f- heard a football team. Mm-hmm. Like pin drop, RCA Dome last last game. On the plane ride home, he was lobbying. I'm playing next week. I'm playing next week. I'm playing next week. And he week. knew he had a full ACL tear. Well, we didn't have the MRI yet, oh, but 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 I but I told him he did until uh, that knee swelled up. He didn't. He didn't. Well, he I told he him. Play. I told him. As a matter of fact. He was he was like put this brace on. I'm going back out there today for that for the uh, for the uh, 
conference championship game. And I was like, you can't. I literally, with the, with the assistant athletic trainer, said, all right, now you have the brace on, you're all taped up. Try and pretend you're going to take a snap from under center. Can you even do it? Mm-hmm. And he couldn't. That's the finally when he acquiesced that he was not coming back in the game. Yeah. I mean, he literally, that's how tough he is. He was coming back. He literally said to me on the plane ride, we got to go, we got to go, I got to play. I said, you got this meniscus, let's, we'll find out, let's talk about it. And he's, and he's like, well, I, you know, this, is the, this is to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, the, you know, I, I, I got to play, I don't care, and, and I'll take the risk kind of thing. So he's as tough as they come, and, you know, and I'm sure uh, others around the league too, but no question. I know he's definitely one of the toughest. And the thing, too, is it makes me think about where we are with Phillip Rivers, where his physical skills are declining. We're seeing this with Tom Brady. We see this with Eli Manning. And they have to come up with other ways to be creative. The problem that I've always thought with Phillip was going to have is he is a, let's do a hurry up, and I'm going to figure your defense out, and then I'm going to hit you over the top deep. He doesn't have it anymore. And so if there's one guy that's going to fight till the bitter end, it's going to be him. It's not going to be Eli. Eli's going to classically go out. Tom Brady, I think, is eventually going to get pulled away from the game. I don't know if Phillip is ever going to quit. And I'm just curious at this point of his career, what is it going to take for when he has that, oh, crap, I can't even take the snap moment? Phillip, this is just my opinion. Yes, this is not. Of course. Love him to death. And... The kind of guy that he is is literally, I didn't even recall it, but he texted me. On, he goes, today's the 10th anniversary of my ACL tear. You've done good for me. Thanks, Doc. Wow. That's the kind of guy that he's wow. out of the blue. I was like, oh, wow. That's yeah. pretty cool. Very, he's, very. He's a Southern Alabama gentleman. He's such a class guy. Mm-hmm. But here's cool. the thing. Philip loves his family, loves his kids. Hope so. And loves the NFL. <laughs> loves, But he loves the NFL. Because he loves football. He loves football. He's not a guy that needs the NFL. He just loves it because it's football. So this is just he, my opinion. If he's coaching one of his nine kids, he'll get the Or high rush. school football or otherwise. Gotcha. I think he can be happy. He just loves the game. The game. And yep. wants to be part of the game. I know he coaches now. But, like, I met him, too, and I thought he was going to – and when I heard he didn't curse, that's how – I was surprised, like, when I heard Dawkins didn't curse. Yeah. Because you see these guys that are yelling. Animated all the time. And, and you see how he fires people up, and you saw the video of him with Yannick and Gakwe. This past week. Being like, 91 yards. Right. He's like, I'll do whatever I want. But it looks like he's cursing, but he's really been like, I'll yell in your ear if yeah. I want to yell in your ear. Yeah. And, and, and uh, uh, Honey Badger, someone came out and said, oh, he's just funny. He's like goofy. Uh-huh. That's, yes. You've heard it. Yes. He's, he's goofy chirping. He's not He's not like your mama and all that other stuff. Yeah. He's just like, you know, having – Talking he's just nonsense. He's like nervous energy excited is yeah. what he is. Yeah. So, oh, what were you going to say? Well, one of the questions I had for you, because I, I hear this all the time, and so a team will have a player, Adam Lefko, fails a physical. Mm. Two days later, he goes to a different team, and all of a sudden – this guy now can pass a physical. Is it just that teams can say, "All right, listen, we, okay. we don't we don't want him no more." So and, he, and, he and, never and this this goes back to the Drew Brees question that you had. Uh, you know, one GM can say this is a first round pick, mm-hmm. and another GM can say this is a third day pick. So there are the occasional. There are times when every doctor in the league would say this guy cannot play football. But the majority of times, so when we get to the combines, for example, there'll be 330 guys that come through, and mm-hmm. all 32 teams will look at all 330. There probably aren't one 
or two guys at most that all 32 teams would say, this guy cannot play football and never will again. Now there's about 50 or 60 that aren't, or 70 that aren't, or maybe 80 sometimes that aren't ready to play football today in late February, but you can project them to. And within that 80, there may be 40 or 50 that have risk. And one team may have risk and one says, one team says, yeah, I know he's got risk, but I know he's not going to play 10 years in the league. But if I can get two out of him at left tackle, he's our missing piece. We're going to pass him, draft him, trade for him, or whatever. Um, For example, the most famous example, uh, Roger Saffold with the St. Louis Rams. Right. Free agency signed. No, no, well, he signed with the Raiders a few years ago. Right. Early. Agreed early. And then, you know, for a fair amount of money. And then the Raiders on their physical failed him. And so then he's still a free agent. He went back and St. Louis signed him again because he played with a shoulder label tear all season. They've dealt with it before. But also the Raiders are saying, A, we don't know you. We haven't dealt with it. And B, I don't know that we want to pay you $40 million because of that. Where the Rams were like, well, we're not really giving you 40. We're only giving you 20. And you're worth that. And we know what you're dealing with. So it's not all pure science. There's, you know, what I say, the physical is like my telling – you know, a scout telling a GM he runs a four seven forty. But if you think he's got game speed and he's smart and he can get the job done, you can still draft him. Right. Right. But I'm just telling you this is his forty time. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you this is his injury grade. Yeah. As to who you draft or what have you or trade for or sign, I've said this to GMs literally. I've said that's above my pay grade. I'm just giving you information. Mm. You make the decision right. in terms of what's going on. All right. So the Patriots thing happened this week uh, where again um, they were they found I guess uh, producers and uh, independent contractors of the team denied by Belichick working for something called like craft services that were at a Browns Bengals game and they were recording the sideline of the Bengals uh, their next opponent for the show do your job um, the information that's come out is that they were recording one shot for about eight minutes. Someone from the Bengals saw it and alerted them. Uh, They were not told. They have since apologized. I will say very quickly before I ask for your opinions, and then I will go into my rant afterwards, (laughs) that I have shot B-roll. I have been a camera guy Mm -hmm. for features. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you that when you're doing a four or five minute feature, I have never in my life shot B-roll of one thing for eight minutes. Of course not. The amount of time that you would use for that shot would be about four to five seconds. B-roll is something that you put under a voiceover over a voiceover and it's just you're supposed to change it up. The common responses to this are isn't it funny that it was the Bengals? Why would they need to do this? I reached out to Ryan Holiday and I <laughs> someone who's worked with the Patriots before and I said what what is this just someone that's so obsessed with winning or, or so it's just part of his routine and he said maybe he wants to be the bad guy and get like the team back like mentally in that people are taking this a million different ways i'm curious how you guys are taking it dr child let you go first I'll let me go first yes well here's what i would say For, i try and stay away from the the obvious takes i'm actually surprised more people haven't or maybe some have linked the the, to me, the more fantastic thing wasn't the filming, but 
was the Chiefs' equipment not getting unloaded. (laughs) I mean, right? I mean, you know the deal there. Like, literally, equipment guys go onto the tarmac to supervise the unloading. The one job you had was to make sure that the equipment gets off of I mean, plane. I've never players heard of, in the equipment. I've never heard of that. Have you? Yeah. I mean, but and that happened in New England, and obviously Belichick didn't have anything directly to do with that. But this may have to do with the overall culture, because what is Belichick is a believer in the. Uh, well, a lot of players say this. I've heard it a lot. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, mm-hmm. right? That's not to say you're illegal, but a little hold here, a little push, a little whatever. And Belichick has said, you know, go up to the line, et cetera. And, you know, who knows? The, the, the guy who, who, who unloaded the airplane is a Patriots fan, and maybe he went up to the line. You know people pull hotel room fire alarms mm-hmm. when visitors are on the road. That's not directed by a team. That just happens because of fervent fans. They take it to the next level. Now, maybe was this guy filming and doing that to take it to the next level? I don't know. But, look, let's— of course, it's the Bengals, the next opponent, because that's what the show is about. Right. It's the scout. But you set up right in front of the Bengals right. If to do that. I mean, that's almost like the magician saying, <laughs> look at my wand. I'm tapping here. Meanwhile, something's going on in his left hand. And look at my right hand. Nothing to see here kind of thing. I'm honestly a little bit jealous that you thought of the Chiefs thing, because I do have a conspiracy theory. But I want I want you to go first. Uh, and, and, but here's the other thing. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. The, the other thing is... Because everyone has helmets, the signals aren't any aren't that important anymore. Right, right. It's just for personnel. So, I to me, if you're really going to be a conspiracy theorist, they're doing this so everyone focuses on this. Meanwhile, and I'm not saying they're doing this, but if you're a conspiracy theorist, meanwhile they're stealing the the audio signals because that's what's really valuable. That's what's I, the I most love valuable, Doctor Charles. I, I I love the way that you're thinking, but I, I think you brought up something important, and this is where I would go with it. It's the culture. It's what is being allowed in the building. And maybe Bill Belichick has no—he never said, go take them. But he never said not to. And I'm sure that—let's just play this out and say that he didn't know about that he was, they were going to the Bengals. But he'll look at the tape. But if I'll they bring it back it. and they say, hey, Bill, I know you didn't ask for this. Yeah, he, I'll take a look at he it. He might give them a Yeah, job. well, that's my point. That's the culture side of it. If he Plausible says that, deniability. then at that point, he's like, yeah, I didn't. And his comment was, I didn't I didn't know anything about it. Of course, you, because they haven't got back from go, the game yet. Go, go, Wait till Monday morning when they get back from the go, game. Going back to deflate gate, right? My theory on that, I don't believe Tom Brady told anyone or the Patriots told anyone Illegally deflate the football and have it be softer than lighter than eleven and a half pounds. But he may have grabbed the deflator and said, "I like a little less air in my balls." Well, here's the thing: he probably told the deflator or the equipment guy. Well, he called himself that, so we can. Okay, the the eleven point five. I want it the lowest legal limit. Okay, and all right, you got it, Tommy. And Tommy gets. On occasion, good job. I like this book. Good job. Good job. So 11.5 because 11.4 becomes 11, whatever. Mm. But so skirting the line, and then you maybe add that atmosphere thing with the heat and then the cold and what happens. And then I don't think the Patriots said in any of this stuff, here's our conspiracy plan to commit a crime. But they have said, and I'm not saying it's wrong, it's worked for them, let's go up to the line. Yeah. And sometimes people take it a little too far. Deflate gate is easy. You give you give Tom Brady five different balls. Oh, this is too hard, too hard, too hard. Oh, this is perfect. Oh, this is at eleven point two. That's that's the ball that I like. I mean that that's yeah. easy. That's exactly what happened. And Tom so, Brady knows. They know the rule. The Patriots know the doggone rules. I want they you, choose to break the rules. I need you guys to understand <laughs> it's a choice doc. that <laughs> one of Bill Belichick's greatest strengths is his silence. 
I don't know if you guys caught it. It aired on HBO on Tuesday night. Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, the documentary about them together. Mm -hmm. And there was a part in there in which Bill Belichick's son, Stephen, was being interviewed and said, Bill has, my, my dad has always told me, that's how he talks. My dad has always said, we don't say anything. And that is part of a strategy. But as Bill reaches the end of his career, he's getting a little bit sentimental. He's getting a little bit emotional. And when you get emotional, you forget your own rules. Bill is part of the documentary. Didn't give away a lot. But he did give away something on the NFL Top 100, which he has been honored to be a part of. And he said this the other day. You can go all the way back to a few hundred years B.C. Um, Sun Tzu, the art of war. Attack weaknesses, utilize strengths. And figure out what the strengths are in your team. There's some things you have to protect. Find the weaknesses of your opponent and attack. And he went into this. And the thing that I've always appreciated about Belichick is he does read great leaders and great minds. And so he did talk about Sun Tzu. Well, I have it. Okay. And here's the problem. I'm an idiot. I went on Amazon. I got the abridged version. It's a lot smaller. But the advantage of it being smaller is I can find things faster. I was going to say, that's not the real book. No, no. The real book is <laughs> like... Cliff notes. <laughs> but you know what the last chapter is all about? That explains my college career right there. Actually. Do you know what the last chapter is all about? The use of spies. Okay? So let's use the thing that Bill Belichick clearly subscribes to. Hostile armies may face each other for years, striving for the victory which is decided in a single day. A war, a football game, to Bill Belichick, it's all the same. Thus, what enables the wide, wise sovereign and the good general to strike and conquer and achieve things beyond the reach of ordinary men is foreknowledge. Thus, the use of spies. And it breaks it down into five classes. A local spy, which is someone in your own uh, that's kind of spying for you. An inward spy, which in this case would be someone within the Bengals organization. A converted spy, a one that you find and you treat great and you turn them into your own. The fifth one was surviving spies, ones that thought they were going to die and then you can claim them. But the fourth one is what catches my attention. Doomed spies. Doomed spies are ones that you allow to be caught and reported to the enemy and you give false information to then throw off. And that is what is catching my attention to, to have a spy blatantly set up right in front of the other team. This is trying to get caught. Okay. This is like a classic heist movie where it's like oceans 11. There's one there to get caught. And the real stuff is going on somewhere else. Mm -hmm. One, you bring up a great point. The same time this is happening, they are losing the Kansas city chiefs uh, uniforms and almost causing a forfeiture. That's a great one. But I also think that where you have the spy get caught is where the crime is being committed. And I thought, why the Bengals? And also, why are we recording the Bengals? We're spotlighting the scout. So what we're not recording is the scout on the field. What if that scout went to A.J. Green and said, hey, we need you to start causing a ruckus in Cincinnati mm -hmm. because we need weapons in New England. So you know what we don't have on film? The scout. You know what we don't care about anymore? The scout. And then I thought, that's too blatant. We talk about the Bengals this entire time, but you know who we're not talking about? Their opponent that game, the Cleveland Browns. It came out about a week or two ago that Odell Beckham Jr. was going up to opponents and saying, please come get me. Of One of their opponents the last few weeks, the New England Patriots.
What happened after this Cincinnati Bengals-Browns game? Baker Mayfield went out there and started talking about his own medical team, and it blew up. It exploded. And now the distraction of Odell Beckham has gotten too much. The Patriots were not there to spy on the Bengals to beat them. They were there to continue the process of escaping Odell Beckham Jr. and getting him to New England. And it's funny that a New England filmmaker, a certain Ben Affleck, did a movie called Argo, where they were trying to break somebody free and get them loose. This is Argo Dell. And it is all a big process to help him escape. And we're focusing because they knew it would be like flies to just honey. That we would say, oh, it's Spygate again. It w- it's going to happen under your noses. They're doing it right now. And they're breaking Odell free to come to the Patriots. Have you worked on the script for, to this movie yet? Yeah, I it's mean, called Argo Dell. Ingber Ingber is going to write the it's script. A long movie, but really, I'd honestly, watch it. That so good. that's my conspiracy theory. But I think you actually may have gotten it right, which is why I'm jealous. Which is we're not talking about how the hell the Chiefs jerseys didn't get there. No one cares about that story anymore. I'm the only one that's talked about it, and the only reason I'm talking about it is because I made a ridiculous average Joe's rant the other day. Mm -hmm. All we care about right now is this Bengals thing, and no one cares about the jerseys. How does that happen? I think you're right. But I like. But if Odell goes to the Patriots, I'm taking credit for that whole thing. (laughs) The Patriots have a. They're thinking on a different level. If if any of that, what you're saying is true. But this makes you think, right? Like a blatant, like he set up a camera right in front of a Bengals official and let it roll for eight minutes. Yeah. And then when they came over, he went, I'll delete it. Whatever you want, I'll delete it. This is Belichick. This is chess. That's some checkers bullshit. Well, what if what if he gets suspended by the league for this? Who cares? What happened to the what happened to the deflators? He should get Hold he on. should care. Those two guys yeah. that were accused of deflating, have you heard about them at all? I don't know where they are. Do you? Do you? No, but what they're if, not on the page. What if the league is saying, you know what? Excuse this me. This is beginning to be a pattern of behavior. The flake gate, the spy, earlier spy gate. Who cares? Well, let's, let's just. Well, well, no, no, no. The, what, from Belichick's perspective. What if okay. he gets suspended for a year? He cares. No, no, but from Belichick's perspective, as you said before, he has plausible deniability. Of course. He never told anyone to do it. Yeah. For Spygate, he paid 500 grand. Scott free missed a few games. Didn't matter for deflate gate. He put that all on Tom bills untouchable at this point. Bill has created a system underneath him where it's not like he's recording it. You know? Yeah, this is a bad, I think this is a bad thing for the NFL and the NFL wants to quiet all these things because you can't, you can't be getting that type of advantage. You just saw what happened in baseball. I mean, Belichick, can go, ago, Belichick can go, okay, I'll, I'll go somewhere else or I got six Super Bowl rings. Yeah. I think it's I'll a coach lacrosse situation in Woodhaven. It doesn't make sense either. I mean, to the point that you both have brought up, it doesn't make sense. You're, you're taping the, the Bengals, and they stink. Brian is also sensitive because he thinks the Patriots illegally recorded the Eagles before well, their Super Bowl. I mean, you did have three interceptions in the game. We lost by three. I'm just throwing that out there. Well, and, and the fact that people <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, maybe you knew the play. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. And that was when we had to use hand signals. I'm just, <laughs> well, I'm just Dr. Chow, I'm just, just throwing I, it out there. I'm not I, saying I that they you. cheated. I'm just saying. Let's look but at here, evidence. everyone is so worried about what he might be doing or not focusing on 
right? True. I mean, True. getting distracted by yeah, they're not by focusing the on that. They're, they're not being very. You're right. Bad. You know what? And it could be as simple as that. It could be as simple as the rest of the teams this year are now going to spend a little bit more time looking over who's like uh, who's got press credentials and all that stuff, and they're looking up, and maybe it gets into the coach's head a little bit, and he he doesn't signal like he normally would or something like that. I yeah. will I will say that uh, that I remember distinctly. And I won't say the game of the year situation, but it was in New England where, you know, of course, there's all these clubhouse guys and they're all home team guys. Right. Of course. In, the, in the visitors clubhouse and they're there to help you out kind of deal. But that was one where there were strict orders that they weren't to come in, pick up all your papers and other things and, and so forth and secure them all before the cleaners come in when you go out to warm up and things. You know like that, that Jaron Harbaugh, when he goes to New England, has the, the locker room. Uh, swipe for bugs. Um, these are not jokes. You have you ever had that where the team when you're playing New England said don't throw plays into no. the trash? Now what I have heard and Andy Reid said this when this is from when he was in Kansas City that the night before the game you get the first 15 plays and apparently one of the guys left it in their hotel room. The the house cleaner Shit. came in after you know after you leave for the the game ten o'clock whatever it is in the morning has the first fifteen they fax it over or send it over to whoever they were playing at the time now they have all of the first fifteen plays so you know you kind of multiply that and you're this happened this is something that happened so Andy would always tell us hey don't let these get out of your hands well, always yeah, every game you know to that end I never I don't know the details I'm just an observer okay if I were Eric Mangini. And I knew this was happening. I wouldn't go tell anybody. I would, on this key third down play, send in the false signal. Right, use it against them. Use it against them and hit them for, for six points and, and go, there you go. That, that's what you got this. for me now, yes. right? I mean, that's yeah. being more strategic yeah. and knowing that you have information and then using that information to your advantage. And the if same, you know they know, right? Yes. That's right. The same thing is we look back at like these great conquerors that they all did awful things and they all cheated, but the ones that were able to be the most strategic, we look back on and go, they did everything they needed to do. Yep. And candidly, that's how I've always felt about Belichick. I don't think he's a cheater. I just think he'll go further than you will. Now, if there are things that were crossing that line, and if it happened to the Eagles, which would personally impact me, personally then I'm upset. Yeah. But at the same point, this is a guy that studies the rule book and will do things like making ineligible receivers outside and eligible receivers inside. And I, I appreciate that so much because that's how I like to look at our jobs. I don't want to be customary. And, and, I want to be great. And, and you're absolutely right, Adam. You said something earlier about Belichick, you know, silence is one of his weapons and things that he does. And it's silence, but it's also the consistency. So I've spent the last few years looking like I know coach speak, right? I mean, it's part of the job. I'm not mad at anybody for going coach speak. You know, day to day means week to week and week to week means see you in a month, right? I mean, simple coach speak. And there are certain patterns of certain coaches. And what I notice is like, obviously, Bill just never says anything. And he tells his players not to say anything about injuries. And all you get is the injury report. You'll get the injury report on Wednesday. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so no one even questions him. So Tom Brady may not be playing, but no one will question him. But you get other coaches, and I won't name them. They'll, they'll, they want to be nice guys. And yes. so they'll tell you some stuff. And they'll tell you some stuff. And then all of a sudden one week they clam up. And then you know that something is going exactly. on. Yeah. So that's one of the powers of Bill that he stays quiet yeah. when it comes to injuries. He, you just don't get anything, so people stop asking. Did you guys watch The Irishman on Netflix? Yes. Did you see it? 
On Netflix, yeah. Okay, I'm not Long, really anything. He has three kids. He got time yeah. to watch three. There was Frozen Two. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's there's one scene where everyone keeps having to go to court, and they all just say, "I invoke my right to be yeah. the fifth." Blah, blah blah. And there's one scene where De Niro is on the the stand, and they ask a question. He says that, and the lawyer looks at him and goes, "What color is my pen?" And De Niro stares at him and goes, "I invoke my right." right. And that's what I'm thinking about with the coaches. Belichick has the discipline to always stick to his guns and never say anything. Mm -hmm. But these coaches are human and they're in a room of other humans and they want to, I know the answer to that. I'm going to give that answer because it does create a better relationship. Right. That one's safe. I can do that. Not not only does it create a better relationship, they they feel like they want to prove how smart they are. Because you know what happens when a coach gives information? Everybody starts nodding, Mm -hmm. right? So there's energy being released. But Bill knows if I give you anything, it can be used. And he has the discipline. And I don't have that kind of discipline in my life, but that's what's incredible. But you don't to me have about to have Bill. that type of discipline. You don't have All to, coaches should but have that. If you want to win six Super Bowls, you have to have it. And that's the difference. And I, I, I think you guys should watch the, the Belichick Saban thing is a lot of tropes that we've heard, and it's a lot of do your jobs. But it's more incredible for me to watch when they would stop the interview. And as soon as they would get done, Belichick and Saban would just start immediately going, So when you're playing a 3 4 defense, what gaps. I am not like that. Mm-hmm. And they are. And that is why they are amazing. And I will never live my life like that. And I think a lot of people get intimidated by it. So we want to go, he's a cheater. That's why he's one. It's easy to explain things. Just realize though, that they have that kind of discipline and that's what it takes. Reach in there, Dr. Chow. Uh-oh. <laughs> We're going to make these quick, and you have to read it in a voice. So if you could read it in your youngest daughter's voice, I would appreciate it. When she's happy or when she's... When she's happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when let's she's go, let's happy. go happy, yeah. <laughs> we are in the cup. You want me to really do the voice? Yes. We're all going to do voices, too. <laughs> this not not a strong suit here. Can, can you ever remember, Daddy, a specific injury... I love you, Daddy, (laughs) that you were sure would be career-ending, only to see the guy bounce back surprisingly fast when you offered him a candy. Ooh, Mm. nice. (laughs) You see that. Was there there ever an injury like that where somebody was able to just... And this is Westbrook for you, too, of like some guy that maybe was on your team that you saw got hurt, and then they were able to bounce back. Yeah. I mean, there, there was... I mean, in some ways... Too many to talk about. Philip Rivers was one when he tore his ACL and six days after an e-scope. On my podcast, Pro Football Doc Podcast, I had Sean Merriman on, and we talked about in New York where he dislocated his wrist, had a scaphoid dislocation. The lunate was out. He finished the goal line stand. We won the game, and he comes over and just holds up his wrist. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, holy smokes, what he you know dislocated your wrist? What's going on? That was the year. Um, uh, Brian Urlacher was put on IR for the season for a similar Jeez. injury. And I said, well, we got to get this back in. If not, you got to go to the hospital here in New York. He's like, what are you talking about? I, I, I played with this. I was like, what? You played with this? And wow. He, he played three plays with it because it was a goal line stand and he stayed in the game. Right. And uh, thankfully we got it in. We actually did surgery and uh, put in bigger pins, did some tricks because he was like Philip saying, I want to play. Yeah. And he played the next week and he finished wow. the season. You know, uh, as a linebacker, cast pins, removed the pins, did all those tricks. But I- I'm I'm forgetting so many of these. I mean, look, uh, 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 wide receiver, um, 
that we had dislocated his hip, a Tua-type injury, Ooh, wow. in the preseason. And he returned to play somewhere around week eight or nine, and that was extremely fast. Eight, nine, or ten, that was extremely fast. I mean, a ton. Your podcast isn't long Adrian enough. Adrian Peterson, but, I think, came back faster than we've ever seen. ACO, yeah. Terrell, he, Terrell he, Suggs came five months after an Adrian Achilles. Peterson, hats off to him. Freak of nature. Freak of nature. Came back really fast, but it was nine months. The, I got to give a shout out to someone we just honored at a charity event, Shannon McMillan, USA Soccer. Look it up. Four months and a and a couple days after her ACL. Wow. Running or just she's back to cutting played, and everything. Wow. That's amazing. Played in a World Cup USA soccer game. Are we getting to that point? Where World ACL? Cup stage 2003. That's amazing. Are we going to get to a point so where ACL like Tommy John? Well, not quite. I mean, Adrian Peterson was unbelievable. Right. But as you know, like I say this all the time. You can come back year one from an ACL and hats off to you as a running back because not everyone can. Look at Darius Geis, look yeah. at Alvin mm-hmm. Cook the year before. But it is basically impossible as a DB to come back year one because you don't know where the other guy's going at the right. snap of the ball. Right, right, right. The running back and wide receivers can kind of know. And imagine soccer. Not only is it continuous in both ways, but you have to play defense and offense. She played and she at three months in a week, she made the World Cup. The amount of and fatigue in soccer, too. I mean, your muscles get tired. Those muscles in the leg that protect your knee, they're not firing like that, like yeah. they should. And when I, when I think about injuries, I think about T.O. coming back in the Super Bowl yeah, from sir. a broken leg. I think of Donovan playing in the Arizona game where he had a, broken literally leg, a broken leg as four well. touchdowns. And John Runyon. Ugh. I watched John Runyon. I'm in the hot tub. <laughs> I watched John Runyon fall and crack his tailbone. In the hot tub. In the hot tub. And he's just a tough son of son of a gun. That's just what he is. And it's black and blue, big old round thing on his tailbone. Oh. And I don't know if you ever hit your tailbone before. That that puts you out of commission from doing anything. He played the next game. He played the rest of the season. He did couldn't practice. Had to sit on the little oh. little donut thing. He would get shot up right into his tailbone every single time he had to play. Damn, that was amazing. Now, now I know John Runyon well enough to know that. Like I wasn't there for that, but I see it. I mean, the guy's crazy, right? Like. On the field and isn't going to miss time. He but he's also like, he's just, he's John yeah, he's, Runyon. He's There's no other word. All right. He's a wild Brian man. Westbrook has a question from the cup, and I'd like you to read it in a Dikembe Mutembo voice. Oh, uh, yeah. I like Dikembe. Because <clears throat> you got to go deep for Dikembe. What is your pet peeve about the holidays? <laughs> and this is what I clarify. You got to. Wag your finger. Tell me about your pet peeves do you have, about the holidays. Do you have any pet peeves for the holiday season? You know, it's completely magical, especially with the little kids. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, perhaps just ending too soon. Mm. That would be my pet peeve. As do you I have any, Mr. Mr. Interesting? The pet thing. peeves of the, about the holiday. I hate when people put their trees up early. That 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 sounds. What is the crazy. appropriate date? You have to wait until after Thanksgiving, which everybody knows. Okay, I this is something that I do that I actually hate for other people to do. Oh, I would like <laughs> for you. <laughs> I leave my tree up for a long time, and I absolutely that's because I hate taking the lights off because my wife she just tangles them all yeah. up. I hate when other people do it, and. Other people do what? Leave their tree up for a long time. After oh, January so you can 1, do it, but they can't. tree needs to be down. And if you have your tree up, let's just say you, you can't get around to doing it. You got to turn the lights off. Don't turn the lights on after January 1. What if oh. you turn them off during the day but on at night? No. No. 
no, no lights. You can't. You're not celebrating Christmas anymore. So wait, why are they not allowed to do it, but you can? I got stuff to do. That's why. He's what do they have stuff to do? I don't know. It's, I'm just. I'm just telling you the rules. I don't make the rules. I just. Yeah, man, play by them. I really don't have any t- hot takes on like how early the tree goes up. I don't really have a hot take on music because uh, I know like that really angers a lot of people when there's like Christmas music all the time. I think it genuinely makes people happier. So I'm cool with that. Uh, I think the only thing that kind of annoys me is the amount of people that are like, we have time. So like, I know that you're off. So let's do something. Yeah. And I'm like, no, this is all of our times to do nothing. I'm not off though. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you, are, are you really off? No, no. But I mean, people that are like people that are like want to do dinner. Yeah. They're off. No, no. Yes. Yeah. I can't hang out. I got to work. Like when you play football, and you know this, you guys know. When you play sports, all the holidays during the season, they're not holidays anymore. They're just a day where everyone wants to hang out late, and I got to go to work tomorrow morning. My pet peeve is that that when you get a gift next year, you feel pressured to spend more money on a gift to one-up yourself. I hate gifts. Oh, I got out of the gift business. My my wife takes care of that. I hate it. Uh, (laughs) uh, What voice should I read this in? I'll let Dr. Chow pick. What kind of question? Oh, I, I don't know. Okay, how about Bill Belichick's voice? Ooh. I like that. that. Dr. Chow, um, which four teams are on the Mount Rushmore of worst medical staffs? Oh, wow. Ooh. Wow. The Mount Rushmore of worst medical staffs. The question that you'll never answer. No, no. I'll I'll give you you an answer. There you go. First of all, I lived at two. From the outside... You don't know the facts until you're on the inside. So the Mount Rushmore, I'll make it the current Mount Rushmore, okay? Thank you. Of course, people would say, number one, Washington Redskins. Yes. To be fair, though, to the Redskins medical staff, so I'm answering your question. They're on there. But to be fair to them, the Redskins said, first of all, this has been going on for six years. The current medical staff there has not been there six years. Mm-hmm. Right. So they don't get the blame. And yeah, I know they're going through hard times with, you know, the Alex Smith thing and yep. then Darius Geis got infected, but the Redskin doctors there in DC didn't do that surgery. Trent Williams. Andrews did the surgery. Trent Williams is the big one, right? But on the Trent Williams thing, the Redskins said, let's invoke this Article 50 where we review an independent doctors come in. CBA agreed upon, NFL, NFLPA, jointly appointed doctors, review the medical records and see if anyone did anything wrong. Now, that's always been used by players against teams. The team used it here, and Trent Williams said he didn't want to do it. So doesn't that show you that perhaps the facts are on their side? Maybe. Okay, but Washington Redskins are on there. Another team that has to be on there, I suppose, because I just hear about it all the time, is your Eagles. Yeah? I mean, Really? Well, when are you going to get some of these hurt guys back? Well, I'd say the whole city, right? It goes to the 76ers doctors yeah. to yeah, the yeah. like you had the shirt on. But unprecedented. After, after Philadelphia the, is like a, a city known for their hospitals. Yes, but but unprecedented after the Eagles won the Super Bowl in Minnesota, your head team physician, orthopedist and your internist, primary care guy, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what you think about them. I think they're really good. They were there when I was there, yeah. Both got fired. Yep. Unprecedented. They cleaned house. How do you fire a medical staff after you, who, anybody after you win the Super Bowl? Yeah. And they've made, made several changes since. 
And some of the changes involved hiring some 76ers doctors because whatever. And they're, you know, Deshaun Jackson, you know, so the Eagles have to be on. They went into Monday night with three wide receivers and they left with one. No, no. By the way, let me make this very clear. I am not being critical of the Redskins medical staff or the Eagles medical staff. I'm just saying if you're creating one based on this, Mm -hmm. this is what it is. What else would you have to say? I think you would have to perhaps put on there the Colts. Why? They've had a bad year for injuries. Just last week, Frank Reich was talking about Eric Ebron and some miscommunication in terms of the ankle. About when he wanted surgery. Andrew Luck and his battle. (laughs) Andrew Luck and different things. Once again, I'm not saying it was their fault. Of course. I mean, there were were times that I was blamed for stuff that didn't happen. This is the equivalent of you looking at all the symptoms and going, I think this might be the case. Yeah, yeah. So in any case, the Colts have to be on there right now. Mm, next, I mean the, the easy, you only easy. Need pick. One more, yeah, but it's it's a it's kind of a two pop up to mind quickly. Obviously, Baker Mayfield puts the Browns in the conversation right. based on his comments, but uh, you know uh, the Bengals have had their issue too because you know Cordy Glenn complained about you know AJ you know, Green was AJ Green stuff. Did. So so I probably would have to say Bengals but the Browns if it were a timely Mount Rushmore the Browns might be up there. How angry would you have been if Baker Mayfield said that about you? I would have well I would hope that I would have had a relationship with the guys where they would have if they had any issue would have come talk to me about it ahead of time. Um I probably would have suppressed my any anger and just said Baker let's chat what are your feelings now hats off to Baker and I know everyone's negative on him for saying that he recanted very quickly it was emotional and if you replay this what he said he didn't say those guys in the training room screwed up he said things probably weren't handled we Mm. didn't get I mean he did use we so at least that was good so I forgive him for that because he was just thinking in the heat of the moment we want this guy and it probably came out the wrong way. I would be pissed off if I was the head trainer. He's talking out of school. And that's his history of talking out of school as a quarterback. You're the face of the franchise. Do better. Well, That would be look, pissed off. I, I go back to my, my art of war. I would love to find out that the person that asked the question that got Baker to have that response Works was, for the was the reporter or producer working <laughs> on the do your job to pretty much that would be perfect. Leave a bomb in there. Yes, yeah. We we can find that out. Drop a bomb. Hey, boom. By the way, That's Odell doesn't seem happy. What do you think about the the, the training staff? Yeah, what's up with his injury? And He's then, hurt, right? Can you imagine if that's the case? I, I see you next level there. He's going that's to, the, trying to the do. fourth or fifth level right there. <laughs> yeah. That's where we're going to end because it feels really clean. Dr. Chow, thank you so much. Thank you. You can follow him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. Your website is ProFootballDoc.com. Podcast is? ProFootballDoc Podcast. Not a lot of creativity. Your branding is strong. (laughs) I love it. Uh, For Mr. Dr. Chow, he's a doctor. He's earned that. For Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. Oh, so that's his catchphrase. So I'm going to say, for Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. For Dr. Chow. ProFootballDoc. Hey, for the L-E-F-K-O-E, man, we will holla, holla, holla. Love you later.